principles that Dr. King actually talked about in his movement, us coming together and <clears throat> getting to know and understand each other. Right. And it's just very important. It will never lose its importance. You know, if we live or if our world is still around 100 years from now, it'll still be important. I never got the hostility because I didn't grow up in it. Right. Does that make sense? That makes very much sense. Yes. However, with that said, Steve, you can't deny, you, I can't use that experience to deny that racism exists. Mm -hmm. I'm Bill McMinn, Senior Pastor of Beagleville Bible Church, and this is the Way to Go podcast, and we are about faith, family, and daily life. We're about taking God's word, breaking it down, making it practical to everyday living. And we love to do it. Now, if you want to watch the show, you can actually go to Eagleville Bible Church. Just go to YouTube, type in Eagleville Bible Church. You will find it on the Way to Go playlist. But again, faith, family, and daily life. This is what we're all about. Welcome to the Way to Go podcast. I got my buddy Steve Sargent here. And man, what a few months it has been, Steve. Yes, it has. I've I've had uh, Facebook lectures on wearing a mask, social distancing, staying at home, and now being a racist. So mm -hmm. I've, I've heard a little bit of all of it. And we're going to talk actually about racism on the show. And when we met, we met because the NFL was taking a knee. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do a radio show about racism. And I realized probably like taking two white guys into a studio who come from like a monolithically white area probably wouldn't be the actually best way to, to deal with that. So I'm like, well, who can I get? I reach out to you out of the blue. I just contacted <laughs> you. Hey, Steve, I don't even know if I introduced myself. I'm sure I did. Or maybe Facebook, you know, Hey, I'd like to do this show on racism. You want to come do it with me? Sure. I've heard that response. I was like, sure. Like, okay, that's great. And then we met ahead of time, but I'd never met you before. Mm, that's I right. had never, ever talked to you before that show, but I knew who you were and I knew of your name. And I'm kind of praying through it, all the different African leaders, the African-American leaders that I could talk to. And I'm like, okay, who, who can I talk to? And then your name mm. got pushed to the forefront of my brain. I'm like, I'm going to contact that guy. Wow. <laughs> and now, And now you became like the most regular host with me on the radio show. That's right. I'm sure doing podcasts, you're going to be here tons of times. There, I doubt there'll be anybody in a year who does more shows with me than you're going to do when it comes to podcasts. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we became friends, you know, over the last four years. Mm -hmm. That's good. I'm glad we uh, were introduced to each other. And unfortunately, or fortunately, that was the thing that brought us, but you know, we still have to address it, I guess. I think it, I think it helps me. I think you've helped me a lot uh, to understand whether it's Black History Month and the importance of Black History Month. I think that I didn't really have a good grasp on that, uh, the deep appreciation for Martin Luther King Jr. I think, too, uh, some, that some racism ex in the core systems where you've had experience going through some of the youths that you mentor and seeing what their experience is in the court system, all, all of that, yeah. and just our conversation. And as you and I have talked, I mean, a lot of it is just communication. I mean, it's just, it's just crossing the divide, whatever, and just reaching out and having conversations. That's right. That's one of the principles that Dr. King actually talked about in his movement, us coming together and <clears throat> getting to know and understand each other. Right. And it's just very important. It will never lose its importance. You know, if we live or if our world is still around 100 years from now, it'll still be important. We need to be able to understand each other. Right. And then realize we have much more in common 
than we have different. Oh, absolutely. And you and I, have thought, like we met for breakfast today. Yes. So that was fun. Just kind of going out and talking about this and that and the other thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've shared a lot of stories about your life and your dad, who was actually served in World War II. That's right. And then had to flee from the South to come to the North mm-hmm. just to get more of a fair opportunity, right? Absolutely. Yes. And that's a common knowledge among especially the uh, elderly black people or back, black people from my father's era, which there aren't a lot left right now. You know, my dad was old enough to be my grandfather. So a lot of our younger generation don't really know that. Right. They may have read about it in a book, but they didn't have the one-on-one like I had with my parents right. about what it was like and what they had to go through. You know, they, they don't know that. I actually right. didn't experience it like they did, but I was with eyewitnesses who did. Right. And that, you know, it's who raised me. So I had a different angle from it. Well, there is, there have been, I mean, obviously major improvements. Sure. I mean, since Martin Luther King Jr. marches in the mid 1960s -hmm. to where we are today, monster, monster improvements. Oh, yes. We can all be at the same restaurants, same stores, all that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that that I really do think that's been rectified. However, as a, as a white man uh, growing up, just, I mean, my parents weren't racist. My mm-hmm. my grandparents weren't racist. When I was young, this is what I saw. I was probably eight years old. We were driving up. I'd go down and stay two, three weeks at my grandparents' house in southern Pennsylvania. We were we would always come home, what they called the northeast extension of the turnpike. And so we were coming up that turnpike. And now I'm eight years old. I believe it's like a Dodge Dart. It would probably see maybe five people, I would say, comfortably. Maybe you could really squeeze six into it. Mm-hmm. All the bench seats, bench seat front, bench seat back, you know, normal. <laughs> and there was a black family that was stranded. And their their car was broken down. So my granddad stopped to help them. They said they'd been there all night. No one was stopped to help them. So he stopped. My grandmother, remember, was protesting, like, what are you doing? I mean, they we now had four in our car, and there were four of them. There's a mom and a dad, as far as I know, and two children. So they all sat in the back, and my, me and my twin brother got Why'd pitched you put up them in the front. back? I know, exactly. <laughs> put them in the back, because that's just the way it was, Steve, okay? I can't help that. So anyway, my grandparents put us up, you know, all squeeze us in the front, squeeze mm. them in the back. My granddad takes them to the exit where they need to be, took them off, would not drop them off before he paid for their lunch. Wow. <clears throat> that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the thinking that I grew up in. So racism is miles away from me as as miles away from my thinking i haven't been in those places of unrest or hostility mm-hmm. so i it's kind of like this i grew up in eastern pennsylvania i don't feel the browns cleveland's rivalry right. oh, not the browns cleveland the browns pittsburgh you're mm-hmm. a steelers fan you under you get it yeah you go into steelers gear into a brown stadium <laughs> and you're gonna feel it i never got the hostility because i didn't grow up in it right does that make sense that makes very much sense yes. however with that said steve you can't deny, you, I can't use that experience to deny that racism exists mm-hmm. because there's still pockets of it. Absolutely. Um, and one thing I would applaud your grandfather for is he saw a family right. that was stranded in need of help. Right. And he didn't judge them by the color of their skin. Right. He saw a family that needed help. Right. And to him, it didn't matter, you know, well, they're black. I don't want them to get in the car with us. Or He helped a family in distress. Right. And he was the kind of dude that probably didn't worry about anything. I mean, he had, yeah, he he was short, stocky, muscular, steel worker. I don't think anything bothered that guy. <laughs> and he was he was a loving man, but he was tough as nails. Yes. So he's he's going to do it. But that was the example that I saw set for me. Mm. Is that's how you treat that's how you treat people. 
It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Right. However, we still have, obviously with all the, I would say protesting. Let's just say with protesting. George mm-hmm. Floyd gets killed by a cop. It's an ugly situation. Should never, inexcusable, should have never happened. People say, well, let's talk about cops and, and policing. But to me, the, the issue that's come to the forefront is racism. Yes. Because even above and beyond, what, what they're going to suggest, and we don't know this, but they're going to suggest that that was a racial issue. Therefore, racism comes to the top. People are protesting not just police brutality, but I think also racism in general. Mm-hmm. So where do you, where do, are we still seeing it in our world today? Mm-hmm. Well, we see it in our world, and it's more, especially in the United States, it's more like subdued. Okay. It's in our justice system. There, I mean, the laws are on the books, and I'm going to tell you because I was around it for a long time. If you have a, and not just the color of a person's skin, it's, where you where you come from if you're poor right. you, like even with let's go back to oj simpson when um he was accused of killing his ex-wife and uh, her friend right now if oj simpson was just a regular guy with a regular income there's no way he gets out of that i believe right, right. and regardless of his color his economic status he was able to hire probably the best attorneys in the world at that right. time to help defend him you know that trial went on for months well, I remember mean, we all watched or weeks it. or however yeah. long. It seemed like that was a months. long time. Yeah. An ordinary person could never afford that type of defense. Right. The things they brought up that, uh, you know, just a regular attorney or a regular court case would have never probably discovered those things. Do you think the system, though, is against, and we'll talk in the next yeah. podcast about systemic racism, but do you think the system's lined up against the black people, or do you think that sometimes, depending on where you are, you might encounter Well, here, let me tell you this. Um, Kevin Johnson used to be an NBA player. Okay. Um, became the mayor of one of the cities in California, I forget. Well, he spoke to a group. We had a our church conference we have in the fall in St. Louis. During the day, we have a big men's rally. We have a bunch of Christian men. Um, we had like 5,000 that day. And he was a, one of our main speakers. And he said they start testing kids in school across the country, like third grade, and in the inner cities where you have a large number of minority kids, they start planning to build prisons according to how those kids do in the test in the third grade. Wow. Because if you're very bad on the test in the third grade, wow. chances are by the time you're in high school, you're going to drop out. You drop out, you're more than likely to get in trouble. You're more than likely to go to prison. So they can't wait until that happens. you got to plan ahead because prisons are expensive. You need a lot of area. Um, you just can't put them anywhere. So there's a lot of planning involved. So they start then. That's how they use to judge where we're going to put a prison. How many do we need? Oh my! In America, and that is, you know, it goes on across the country. Now you can call it racism and call it whatever you want, but that's how it operates, right? And that's how they come up with putting prisons in a lot of places that they've put them across the United States. Well, because there's going to be. Well, I think too, one of the issues that we have there is this: this the disintegration of. The black family. Sure. I think that um, uh, Larry Elder, I believe his name is, I've listened to a couple of his podcasts, and he was talking about the importance of a dad in the home. And that's one of the things that as we look at the black community is one of the things as they work on it would absolutely help them. Because like you said, dad's at home, less likely to drop out of school, less likely to drop out of school, less likely to get involved in crime, so on. So there is a domino effect there. However, despite a person's plight, despite – a person's color when it comes to rich, poor, you can't look down on somebody for the color of their skin. Right. And that's, that's the kind of stuff where here's racism defined as prejudice, discrimination, antagonism. 
directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Why would we bark about that? That saying that one race, okay, let's say, why should somebody bark if I thought even thought that I'm better than you because I'm white? Or if you thought you're better than me because you're black. That's true. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I wouldn't even argue it, Steve. To be honest, I don't even think I would argue it. I'm like, you're probably right. <laughs> you probably will be closer to God in heaven than I will be. <laughs> That's true, but we uh, <laughs> we we don't we don't always take into consideration that there throughout time, not just like with slavery, all of those things. There has been, if you go back to the Bible. When God created Adam, right. he created him from dirt. Mm -hmm. All of the pictures we see pretty much of Adam growing up, and he's always a white guy, a European-looking white guy. Adam and Eve, God right. made him from dirt. I guess it must have been white sand. So we're, <laughs> we already talked from a Eurocentric point of view right. of biblical characters, right. and the, you're less than, and which is why you know they had indentured servants before they had slaves from Africa. Right. And the indentured servants were white. Worked for how many ever years and they let you go. Right. When they found out, well, shoot, we can get people from another place who don't speak our language, who don't look like us. We can keep them forever. The slave trade expanded to Africa. Right. You bring people here. Well, if you run away, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Right. You don't understand the language. You don't know where you're going. You're not going to fit among the townspeople just like another citizen. So it became very common in America. Okay. Well, let, let's, let's go to that. Yes. Why was that wrong? Why was I think it was dead slave, wrong? But I'm slavery? Kind of, yeah. Why? Why? Why was it wrong to have a slave? Oh, because number one, we are God from one blood made all of us. Right. All of us. Right. And He did not make any group better than the other. Now, some may suffer in different ways than others for a number of reasons, but He, in the eyes of God, we are one flesh. Right. From Adam and Eve. Right. Even if we could trace our roots back far enough. We, can you imagine we're related? Did that, scientists say that. That's a fact, Steve. Did they say All, that? They do say oh, that. Yeah. Everyone agrees to that one thing. Yeah. Everyone goes back to Go one back. original couple. Go Every back. single yes. race goes back to one single person. We are connected. And here's the fact. They don't have a doctor like, oh, hey, you got to call the black doctor because there's a black doctor. <laughs> like it's a Chevy, it's a gym. No, four guys not going to work on the Chrysler product. No, it's like they can work on any of us because guess what? Under the skin, we're exactly the same. Yeah. Our muscles are the same. Our heart's the same. Our mm -hmm. lungs are the same. Our liver, intestines, right? Our That's whole right. system is the same. Our eyeballs, our ears, the way our brains mm -hmm. work. As far as I know, it's the same. So you don't have to have a doctor. I specialize in operating on black people <laughs> because their, ana their anatomy is somehow different because we're all exactly the same. This is, this is what drives me crazy about racism. It is the refusal to recognize that all men are created equal, yes. that we're exactly equal, we we're the exactly equal. same, they're no one better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Because there's a, such an arrogance to think that somehow you're better. Yeah. It's, it's wrong, man. I mean, and, it's just and so what wrong. And, and we have to recognize, look, even if it exists only from the, somebody got called a name, mm -hmm. uh, you walk in the parking lot, somebody locks their door, uh, black man's coming across the street. You don't even know that black guy. That black guy could be studying to be a doctor, but you're going to lock your door because he's a black guy. You automatically, there's white people. This went on all the time before automatic door locks. I don't think it goes on anymore because doors automatically lock. Right. Okay, so I, I don't know that it does, but I'm telling you, 
I, I bet you a lot, depending on how old that black person was, has walked across the street and heard the doors locked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Haven't you heard it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. We're kind of constant reminders of. And how insulting is it? Yeah. Because they went, and here's the fact. If they saw me, a white guy, walking through the grocery store, they're not going to lock their door. Mm-hmm. Because there's an inherent bias that I can't trust that person. And here's what I think is so unfair. Yes, maybe there is an element that might do you harm mm-hmm. in the black or white community where, but it's not everybody. That's right. Because a lot of the black community that I know they're working and they're working hard and they're good people. Mm-hmm. And that, why can't you assume that person is just, they're just a good person. That's right. So, and a lot of it comes from the way we're taught, you know, we are raised or the things that have been presented to us and, and we become believers of that. And I, right. I'm glad that I was raised in an environment to judge people according to them to their character, not by the color of their skin right. or their, you know, their address or what have you, or accent for that matter. No, judge I judge them according to who they are. Right. What do you think about though? You know, sometimes people say, well, they, they bring up the civil war. They were slaves. I'm like, mm-hmm. that was, was that a hundred and yeah, that was a while 55 ago. years ago. I mean, that, that was a long time ago. Right. I mean, we, we have got to learn to get, get along together. Steve, do. here's a fact. Listen, we have been in this country aside from native American Indians longer than any other groups together. Who has, we have me and you. Yes, <laughs> we have, we have We've my been family, here by the time. way, my family has been here, has roots here way back into the 1700s. Were they Irish? They were Scottish. Scottish. Yeah, they were Scottish. Okay. They were back here. I think before the revolutionary war days, I mean, I've seen the history of I me. Mean, it was sent to me by a relative. I mean, they mm-hmm. trace our line way back in the South. So my family's been here for the McMinns have been here for centuries. My, my, um, on my mother's side, we were able to trace our roots to the early 1800s. My right. great-great-grandmother was a slave. On my dad's side, we did go back to around that time, uh, to the Thomas Jefferson era. We just did, actually. I got that information right. at our family reunion last year. But um, the issue is the, the point of slavery, which lasted hundreds of years, you were trained to be subservient. Okay. And I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Willie Lynch. You should Google him and read about it. He used to actually know. used to go around to slave owners and teach seminars, kind of like we do nowadays. He'd probably be doing it on Zoom, on how to make the slave sub- subject to you for generations. He taught them how to, number one, make the slave always depend on you. So for the littlest things, master, can I get a drink of water? Master, can everything, I mean, you could be 40, 50 years old and your slave owner may even be younger than you. You're going to him for everything. You have to get permission from him to marry whoever you thought you should marry. Right. Everything. And then whenever you did wrong, they disciplined you in front of all of the slaves. Right. Whether you're going to be whipped or what have you. So the other slaves would be like, ooh, I better not try that. And they also made a disparity because a lot of slaves were biracial because the master took it upon himself right. to rape slave women right. to have more slaves. The biracial slaves got better treatment than the slaves that weren't. So the biracial slaves worked in the cabin or in the master's, um, you know, the master's house, whatever you right. want to call it. And they drove the carriage, cooked. You know, they weren't in the sun all day, right. uh, working in the fields. So there was a disparity between the biracial slaves and those that weren't, even within the slave community. Right. As a biracial slave. But do you think that's still playing in the thinking today? Absolutely. Okay, how so? Even when I was growing up. Go ahead. When I was growing up, I'm, I'm a lighter. My mom's actually was lighter than I am. Okay. And um, 
So there's six of us, uh, two of my brothers and myself, my sister, my sister who's next to me in age, we were lighter like my mom. My other brothers were like darker and sister and my, like my dad. Now they didn't mess with us too much, but they had nicknames for us. Right. And some of my other family members and friends had names for us too. Right. Because we were lighter than them. Right. And that has gone on for generations in the Dude, black community. Let me tell you something. You got it coming from all sides. What? Whites don't like you because you're, listen to me. The whites might not like you because you're black. And then the blacks might not like you because <laughs> you're not you're black, black enough. Yeah, you're black enough. That's right. yeah. And if you're too black, you're going to get made fun of. Yeah, there's just. Oh, my goodness. But that stemmed from slavery. Right. It stemmed, and then you had, like, my, on my uh, mother's side, one of my great, 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 whatever, grandfathers, his job as a slave were to just go make babies. Right. So what does he do when he gets free? Well, well let, let's end, let's end, let's end this podcast this way. Everyone is equal in the sight of God. Right. If you don't get one other thing that we're saying today and all of this, everyone is equal. There should be no racism. There should be no favoring of one color over another because God made us all for his purposes. Mm -hmm. And he made you special. He made me special. We're on this earth for a purpose. And it's to get along and do things together. You've been listening to The Way to Go. We will come back with another podcast on this subject. <laughs>